Rewind with Oisín Langan. The ref blows a full-time whistle and for the second year in a row, Mayo draw a semi-final. An amazing ending to a game that, that sort of meandered through with lots of mistakes and lots of errors and issues. It's a draw fair result. I, I don't know, but I, I say both teams will take it the way the game went. Romero, the keeper, he hasn't done, he hasn't done himself justice at all in that situation. The keeper, he's got down very slowly with his left hand and he should have saved it. He really should have saved that. There's certain things we suppose pride ourselves on or build ourselves on and we, we didn't do a whole lot of those very well today. Obviously, discipline being one of them. Just giving teams repeated cracks at you, you know, either through mall or goal kicking or conceding 50 metres of the field through penalties is, is a very tough way to play the game and a very difficult way to win games. Um, I don't think I play a lot of rugby. You know, they've, they've been incredibly successful. Um, I thought they were really narrow at times and uh, you know, a lot of players are quite narrow and, and when they play that game effectively when they, you know, you're usually one-off runners effectively and then uh, get some success from cross kicks that's what they're good at doing and they're good at uh, pressurising you and forcing you into turnovers and, and building a score They've had good preparation I believe we've good preparation as well and whichever team gets it right we'll win the match this is the Rewind on News Talk, and as well as looking back on all of that, we look ahead to next week's hurling final in the company of Cats wingback Killian Buckley and Galway captain David Collins. As well as all that, we pass the mic around the Crow Park press room for predictions. The general consensus seems to be Kilkenny will get the detail on why. In Rugby Ireland coach Joe Schmidt names his squad for the World Cup this week, and after Saturday's defeat to Wales, he wasn't getting drawn into a debate on their style with Warren Gatland. Well, let's start with football though. And next Saturday at 5, Mayo and Dublin meet again in the football semi-final replay. Before we get analysis from James Horan, who was at the game yesterday for Off the Ball, let's get more from Dubs boss Jim Gavin. And first, Mayo forward Andy Moran on how he feels about the draw. I think it's a, it's an indifferent... Uh, I think it's an indifferent move more than Anton O'Sheen. It was... Um, yeah, we'd be happy we're still in the championship because obviously we're out of there 10 minutes from the end. But... Uh, we wouldn't be happy at all with our first with our first half performance, and um, we, we have to go away now, assess, and come back in six days' time, and you know, see where we are, and really, really improve our levels of performance. You know, what do you think went wrong? How did you correct it? We'll say in the last ten minutes, because that's when you thundered into it. Yeah, like like our fitness levels, our fitness levels would be very high, um, I suppose, and you know, you, you've you've guys like Aiden and Killian, like Killian stuck away a penalty there with what five minutes left in front of eighty thousand, and you're four, 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 you're four points down. You know, it's um, that's incredible composure. Like for a young fella, he did the same here last year against Kerry, and you know, sometimes these guys just come along and they, they can. But you know, six days it means for, it matters nothing, and six days time it matters for nothing. And uh, we have to come back and we we have to up our level of performance if we're going to beat that Dublin team. Does it give you something extra going into a replay? The fact that you ended so well. I mean, you had a lot of chances. A couple of them dropped short, went wide. Yourself, you had yeah. one or two bad ones. Then you stepped up and I think kicked two, and yeah, you know you, you got the goal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm tr- no, that's a compliment. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, then look, you got the goal from the penalty, yeah. and, and you steadied it, and you did it when it yeah. really mattered. Yeah. Is, is that a good thing going into the next game? Kind of ending high means you might start higher, yeah. take more positives into it. Yeah, you're f- you're following sport a long time, and um, you've seen teams that like what Kerry did last year. They came back at us, and they ended up beating us. But it was after extra time. You know, I don't think the momentum of winning or coming back the week after had really anything to do with it you know um, you've seen times when teams re- finished the first game really well and lost you know so it's hard to know I think next week 
when the game starts it's a completely different game do you know it's a completely different game we lost Donald Vaughan a very influential player for us they lost Rory very influential player for them do you know it's, it's, it's hard to know what's going to happen it's hard to know what team is going to be picked um, Joe we've guys in there that didn't talk today and I guarantee you some of them will see action next week do you know the replay is on this Saturday at 5 here in Crow Park, oh. not in Limerick. I want to be very clear on that. I think I was sitting beside James Horne. I think that pleased him. But uh, a quick turnaround, good or bad? Yeah, I think it's good. It really, really will prove the, the fitness level. I, I think, if truth is to be known, we probably struggled with it last year. Um, but I think we're a different unit this year. I think the likes of Aidan, Killian, these guys are stronger players this year. And um, hopefully it suits us a tiny bit more um, this year than it does the, the opposition. But last year... Um, when it got into extra time, we wore down a few men because of cramp and stuff like that. So uh, I think we just have to manage the bodies a bit better this week. Um, I think the experience of being in this, the replay next, last year might help us. And uh, fingers crossed next week we upper level of performance and um, we, we, we finish the job. And physically, you don't have much time to do any work, but mentally, is that where you can do it? Is that possible? Ah, yeah, that's, that's, it's key. Like, like the, the, the young lads that came on there, I think David Drake... Um, Played what, 40, 45 minutes there. Playing next year. He's your brother-in-law. He's my brother-in-law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taking my place in the team, but uh, yeah, that's the way. The way of life, isn't it? But um, he played really well. Like you see, you see Paddy Durkin coming on there. The way he played, Barry Moore and come on, rose the crowd. You know, it's that's great to see. Like um, you know, the, the younger guys really driving on, and you see the way Jeremy O'Connor and these guys are playing. I think it's uh, it, it's an eye opener. It, it's a big leveler for our team. Best of luck. Thanks, Jim Gavin, Dublin manager. Happy, sad, or indifferent? Yes, we're we're, we're delighted to be still in in. in in the chance of getting to an All Ireland final, um, you know, we'll, we'll learn a lot from today. We haven't haven't met that intensity all season. Um, been four weeks since we played our last competitive game, and you know you show your best in 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 in, uh, in turn games to, to 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 meet that intensity, but just can't meet, you, you can't beat that there. And I think um, I think we'll we, we, we'll come as a team. We'll come out we'll come out of this, today's experience uh, in much better stead for next weekend. The fact that you hadn't played a 70-minute game this mm-hmm. year or hadn't played a team that put it up to you for 70 minutes yeah. in the championship this year, was that the key towards the end? Is that why you looked a bit shaky? Plus, Michael Darrow was black-carded and at the very end, Dermot Connolly was red-carded. Yeah, like we lost a lot of players there in the final quarter. Uh, red cards, black cards, yellow cards. There's a lot, lot of cards out there today. Um, but I thought that guy showed great resolve. You know, Mayo City had the momentum and... and uh, uh, had a chance to finish us off, but I thought we held in really, really strongly, uh, and then created a ch- chance at the far end to win the game. And um, I think we got one one from, from from dead ball today. They got one eight, um, and we didn't miss that much. So um, that, that's one area we'll have a look at, and um, we'll try and improve on the next day. How big a difference did Michael Dara's card make? The fact that he had to go off because he was a key man today, and what did you make of the actual decision itself? Yes, listen, Joe's one of the top referees in the country. That's why he's, he got today's game, and listen, he's 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 uh, he just makes these these decisions, the spit decisions, and whatever information we receive from the sideline. But um, you know, we'll have a look at them. Uh, there's swings and roundabouts in a lot of them. Uh, some stuff happened off the ball. We didn't get the call, so you know, it's it, it's it's. Um, Disappointing, but we just have to have a look, and, and they're outside of control, really. So once the game is on, it's on, and, and uh, there are things that we can look at after the game. You did mention there's a lot of off the ball stuff happened in that game. What did you make of that? I mean, did it distract? Did it have an effect? What's your thoughts? Yeah, we just have to have, 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 to, have to look at the tape again um, and, and see where we can improve upon. Uh, I thought our, our guys were very disciplined in the game, and um, you know, very, I'd be very satisfied with, with, with how they held their, their discipline, despite maybe some things going against them. Former Mayo manager and player James Horan, that was as dramatic as it gets. The final score: Dublin two twelve, Mayo one fifteen. I guess. Given that Mayo looked out of it, they'll probably be the happier of the two teams. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Dub- Dublin, you know, with the goal that Jack McCaffrey created the overlap. 
And Kev McManus slotted it in. It looked down and, you know, Mayo looked in and buried. You know, they weren't playing well throughout the game and Dublin had a bit of momentum and very quickly flipped on a few points and, and Mayo were five or six down with, with, with not much time left. And you could, it was hard to see how they'd get themselves back into it. But in fairness to them, Mayo just went at it, got a couple of points out of Freeman and he more made a difference when he came on and kept plugging away. And all of a sudden, Stephen Cluxton, you know, had a couple of couple of moments he won't, he won't be that happy with. You know, Andy Moore could have been in for a goal. And uh, then his kickouts, he just he just couldn't see his options. Mayo were, looked hungry and were aggressive and were on top of them. And a couple of kickouts, you could just see, all you could see was Mayo people winning them and driving forward. And, and in the end, uh, Mayo could have won that game, uh, you know, despite the position that Dublin were in. So an amazing ending to a game that, that sort of meandered through with lots of mistakes and lots of errors and issues. But... Dramatic, dramatic excitement in the end. And look, at you know, is a draw a fair result? I, I don't know, but I, I'd say both teams will take it the way the game went. A lot of kind of turning points in this game. The first being the Dublin penalty. The second, in a gold sense, being the Mayo penalty. You could make an argument that, that neither of them were penalties. So in some ways, it kind of levelled itself off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, both penalties are, you know, they're, they could have gone either way in, 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 in a sense. You know, that, that they could have been a free out as, as much as the other. But for me, the game, it was a tentative game. Both teams had they themselves talked into being um, overly cautious about their defence and where they were standing and where they were. And you know, these are two of the most attacking teams in the country. But I think they offered a little bit of that up today to, to, to be much more defensive. And they nearly caught themselves out with their with their maybe over analysis of where they should and shouldn't be and all that kind of stuff. So I don't think either team went out and played like they can you know so it was that type of game uh, Dublin were always that little bit ahead almost got caught Mayo could have won it so you know it's hard to make much sense of it but you know we'll be back here for a draw and, and I'm sure uh, both teams have a lot of review to do over, over that game and they'll come back stronger in, in a week or so Just looking at the statistics 50% possession each uh, scoring chances from play 20 for Mayo 18 from Dublin chances converted from play this is a telling stat 6 for Mayo 12 for Dublin wise 8 all freeze converted 10 for Mayo 2 for Dublin freeze conceded an own half 14 for Dublin 10 for Mayo turnovers won 24 for Mayo 18 for Dublin so there's, there's positives and negatives from both teams in those stats and 3 uh, yellow cards for Mayo 2 for uh, Dublin 2 black cards for Dublin I beg your pardon 3 yellow cards and a red card for Dermot Connolly so a very, you know, very interesting stats yeah the stats are amazing if I, if I remember correctly at half time that scoring chances from play was 7-1 to one, I think Mayo had one scoring chance from play in the first half and uh, 20 in the second half shows maybe Mayo's domination in the, in, in the second period and you know you mentioned Jeremy Connolly's red I'm not sure if it was a straight red or not that could be a big a big uh, item for the, for, the, for the draw you know missing a pair of Jeremy Connolly's calibre could be a big hit for Dublin and just before I let you go, what do you do in preparation for a replay? If you're the management team for, for either side, do you change things around? Do you do the same? I mean, you know, what can you do? Well, the, the, you know, the guys will have some contingencies in place, the management team. And, you know, the players will, you know, they'll just recover after that. They'll have their meal. They'll go back to their hotel and they'll, they'll see where things are. They'll put out and plan their week. But, but obviously, just you need to analyse the game. In the cold light of day, you know, when all the emotion and everything with today is gone, and just see where uh, and, and what you can change. Like, you've only a couple of days, so you don't want to try and change the universe or anything like that. But look at a key couple of areas that you can work on. You'll probably only have one training session during the week. Just work on a few things so that you'll be better 
and you'll be clearer when you come back in the next game. This is the Rewind on News Talk and that was James Horan. Before him, you heard from Andy Moran and Jim Gavin. We'll have a full preview of the All-Ireland hurling final coming shortly. Kilkenny taking on Galway. Uh, as well as that, we'll talk with Tribesman Minor Manager Jeffrey Linsky. First though, it's football and Ireland's upcoming double header against Gibraltar and Georgia. They're two vital Euro qualifiers and of course... Uh, we talk about the Premier League. Paddy Mulligan, as always, joins us along with Team 33 and off the balls, Raf Diallo. Uh, Paddy, we'll get to Ireland and Manchester United shortly, but uh, we'll start with Chelsea and their 2-1 loss to Crystal Palace. What happened? Um, not good enough at the moment. Um, we, we, we spoke over the past few weeks about Fabregas being on a bit of a nightmare. Well, he, he, he went from bad to worse last, last Saturday and, and um, Mourinho isn't quite sure I don't believe, as to where he should utilise uh, Fabregas best. I think he's, he's best playing off uh, uh, the front men, such as Chelsea are at the, at the moment. Um, with, with having Costa there and, and Falcao, Falcao did get the goal. But he needs to get Fabregas sorted out very, very quickly. I think it's a waste to have Fabregas back in a holding role with Matic. Matic is well capable of going and doing that holding role himself. I think that Fabregas gets in his way. And Fabregas' lack of energy last Saturday was something to behold because he just could not get back, track people down at any stage during the game and that's frightening. Four games in, in, into a league, that's, that's that's a big worry for Mourinho. Now on top of that, he has Ivanovic who's lost all of his energy. So the quicker that he he, he gets a left back in and and, 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 and gets Aspilicueta over to a right back position, the better, the better for all concerned. Not to mention, there's probably he has a, 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 a central defenders and he has problems up front as well. So he's got problems really all over the pitch. Hazard didn't perform either. Now, take nothing away from Palace. Palace went and played played extremely well, as as they have been doing this season. Uh, but I never expected that that Palace would go to Stamford Bridge and get a win at Chelsea. If it was a Selhurst Park, I say yeah, Palace have a great chance of winning this game or at least getting a draw. But at Stamford Bridge, definitely not. But they did, and they, and they and they won it well. Phil Thompson was on News Talk Breakfast. He suggested that there's something majorly wrong with Mourinho or something majorly wrong within that squad. There's an issue. There's a problem. Would you agree? Yes, and, and he, he could be huffing and puffing because also of, of if he didn't get the money that he wanted from Abramovich, he could be having he could be having a bit of a sulk, and then he's taking it out on the players. Now he had the issue with his medical team, which was which he was way out of line with the medical team. Now he's having issues. He takes John Terry off at West Brom. First time ever. Now, you don't do stuff like that. We know that John Terry is no pace. Mm. So what he says to Zuma is, you get you get, you get behind John Terry, give him that little bit of extra extra cover and just be on the safe side and be aware that he could be caught. That's what a good manager would do. But one of the goals for West Brom, Zuma's out in front of John Terry. He's all over the place. And, and Gary Cal will, will, will do the very, very same thing. So... Mourinho now has to manage. It's all very well manager getting all of this money. They're going, oh, I can buy this player and buy that player. Yeah, he'll fit into the system. He'll, he's a good player, so I don't need to tell him anything. Now Mourinho has to manage whether he likes or not. I think he's, he's, he's an excellent manager, but now he's got to earn his corn again. And if he, if he gets stroppy and starts moaning and groaning that Abramovich hasn't given him this or the players aren't giving him that because he, he was out blaming players there during the week, naming seven players who weren't performing, and he's quite right. But he's the manager and it's up to him to get these players performing and get them believing again and get working on on on, on the training pitch. Now they're now a lot of them are gone now for the international uh, setup for the next next ten days. So it'll be very interesting to see in their next in their next game against Everton away, which is always a very tricky assignment. Just what he has learned from the from the from the first four games of the season. Right now he hasn't learned an awful lot. Yeah, and 
but the thing we have learned about him over the last well throughout his career really he does the third season always tends to go badly or at least the slide begins and that seems to be happening again so I don't know is there like if if a manager starts creating a siege mentality like he did last season what's it like as a player when a manager is doing that it has to it has to be it has to be a nightmare because players players will observe and 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 they will see uh, what he what he's on about and and that has to be a huge concern so therefore when but I always feel that when that happens that discipline Players have to be disciplined. When then the discipline goes out the window when they see the manager. What should we care if he, if he's gone like that? And you see, it 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 sends out all the wrong messages to the players. There are some players can handle it. Other players take the easy option out. I think Fabregas, for instance, Hazard to a, to a degree. Oscar on occasions. I think that those players are are, are weak when it comes out that they don't say. Right, Mourinho is having a rough time. We'll 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 help him out because. The players, the players only need a manager when you're having a rough time. They don't need, they don't need a manager when you're when you're winning every week. Like Man City don't need Pellegrini at the moment because they're, they're, they've scored what uh, ten goals and they haven't conceded any, and they're top of the league on, on, on full points, twelve points. They don't need Pellegrini, but they'll need Pellegrini when Silva goes missing. When Yaya Toure decides, I'll go and do my own thing. And that's, that's when a manager earns his corn. And this is when Mourinho is going to start earning his money now and shows how great a manager he is. Yeah. You mentioned Manchester City there. They have bought and they have bought big with uh, Kevin De Bruyne. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that a good signing? I mean, it's being thrown at him that you know he was at Chelsea before and he didn't do it. I read an article today that he is the uh, first player of the year from a foreign league that has gone directly to the Premier League since uh, Jurgen Klinsmann, although Jurgen Klinsmann was playing at Monaco at the time. Yeah, normally normally what you have these days uh, um, is that, that players who are nearly nearing the end of their career or have a few injury problems and they're not likely to get into a, a starting team in the continent that they start coming out to the Premiership as I see it uh, to earn their pension for their for their retirement days and uh, it's refreshing that Bruin has, has has come back into the Premiership hopefully he's thinking that he's got unfinished business that he didn't get a fair crack of the whip at Chelsea and he's out to show uh, Mourinho and Chelsea Football Club that look at I'm a much better player than you gave me credit for and I'm going to produce here now at Manchester City uh, he has produced in Germany, so it's going to be it's going to be very very interesting to see how he, how he progresses. I would think that he will do very very well at City. Yeah, although they've started so well, like when you throw another player into the mix, like the Silva seems to be benefiting from having Sterling on one side and Navas on the other. Obviously, De Bruyne, the amount of money they spent, he's probably going to start. So eighty million, isn't it, or something something crazy, something mad, anyway, yeah, something something ridiculous. <laughs> they might be looking to also at the Champions League. It's imperative in my view, that City do really, really well in the Champions League. They get out of their group. Yeah. That's imperative. They get to a minimum of a quarter-final, semi-final, a minimum uh, requirement because they failed miserably. So he, so they might be looking at, we better get a big squad for the Champions League because over the past few seasons we've been in the Champions League, we've been, we've been left at the door. So it, it, just, it just can't be done. Manchester United, poor performance against Swansea. Aside from goalkeeping errors, what went wrong? They're a poor team. It's a to me. It's a, a poor it's a, team or a team who are playing poorly. No, a, they're a poor team. It must be a nightmare for Rooney playing up front. But all all that happens is the ball goes sideways and back, and he makes a run, and he has to remake that run, and he has to go and find a new position for himself because there's nothing coming through to him. The front men at Man United last, last season as well are not being hit early with a ball. There's no ball going in from chest. Uh, to knee and to bring and, and to bring bring the midfielders in 
everything is all nice and, and, and it's so safe, it's frightening. So as they continue on in that vein, they're, they're going to get beaten. It's as, it's as simple as that. They've got nothing in midfield. Matter in the past, matter in 18 months. This is the great midfield that the people are, are, are extolling his virtues. Has created one goal for Wayne Rooney. One pass for Wayne Rooney to score a goal in 18 months. That's why Mourinho got rid of him. Because he flatters to the sea of matter. I've, I've always thought that myself. But he's he's... When you want him to produce, he does not produce. And that's the, that's the sad part about it. Defensively, they're absolutely shocking. They need, they need central defenders very, very quickly. The De Gea situation, will that ever be sorted out? And it's, 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 uh, Romero had a bit of a, a, a nightmare yesterday. But that, that was always going to happen. But it's, it's out the field that you want to be, you, you be concerned about. You have to be concerned with Schweinsteiger. Schweinsteiger is not anything near the player than he was three to four years ago. Have injuries taken taken their toll? Hmm. I'm beginning. I'm beginning to think. So when are. people say they need a striker, Gary Neville has been saying they need a striker. Is is that just a, no, a poster boy problem? And that's not the actual problem. No, Even if they get a good striker, no, that's one of the problems. But they have to get okay. they have to get their midfield sorted out as well, and they have to get the defensive uh, strategy sorted out, and they have to start playing aggressive football, and and when they have the ball, go and attack and attack in strength. But there's no such thing now as, uh, as it was under Fergie's time that they have two wingers bombing down the line. You've got your full-backs bombing on as well. You've got, a, you've got two midfielders getting into the box as well, along with your strikers. You've got nearly effectively seven, six or seven players in the, in the opponent's 18-yard box. You're lucky if you have one. Yeah. I mean, the goal that Matta scored yesterday was, it was a ball into Rooney that, that, that missed Rooney and Matta was out, at the far post. And so they were the only two people in the box. And the other chances as well that I would have noticed, um, I think it was Herrera one time got into the box, a chance came out of that, and also Depay, the, the odd time that he, or sorry, Memphis as he's called, that uh, they were, it's when the midfielders actually run on beyond Rooney, it seems, that United actually almost seem like they're creating chances. Yes, yeah, and that's, and that's, what, that's what every team needs. You need your midfielders to be coming through. If you're going to play Rooney up front, or any player up front on his own, you need your midfielders coming through, you need your full backs coming through as well. That's, that's, that's the modern game. And, and and when when, they, when you don't have that, you've got problems because look, you can evolve. Look at Van Gaal is talking rubbish yesterday, talking about well, we had eighty five percent, but I don't care what possession they had, they didn't have possession where it mattered. And that was the eighteen yard box, and they didn't score goals. And the only stat that I'm ever interested in is what was the score yesterday? Two one to Swansea. Thank you very much indeed. I don't care what uh, uh, possession you had, where you knocked it around in in, in your own area but you need possession in their 18-yard box and you need to pummel the team, and they're not doing that. They're what, letting teams off the hook. What happened in Liverpool on Saturday? Yes, indeed. What happened in Liverpool? God help me. Uh, 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 sad, isn't it? Gets, it, gets, it gets worse. You know this is a non-denominational podcast, so please stop oh, praying and put those yes, rosary beads away. I better, I, better, I better do something. Somebody's got to do something for me. Um, I thought I'd seen the lowest of the low of Liverpool perform- performances last year. But they hit a new height on, 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 or a new low, I should say, on Saturday afternoon. They were absolutely pathetic. If Man United have problems, compound that by, by 10%. It's, it's absolutely awful. Um, defensively, nothing. Midfield, nothing. Up front, nothing. Mignolet had, had, had very little to do, and you'd, you'd absolve him. But what Lovren was thinking of, what Chan thinks of, when, when he's on the ball, what Coutinho thinks of when he's on the ball, I haven't got a clue. And I don't believe that they have. 
There was no pattern to their play. There was no shape to their play. Um, the, 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 the defensive solidity that was there last Monday night against Arsenal was gone on Saturday, primarily because the midfield were all over the place and they and didn't come back and have the back four. Having said that, the back four did not help themselves because they started getting strung out. Instead of being nice and compact, they started going an extra five yards one way and going an extra five yards the other way and hence Lovering gets himself caught up in all sorts of weird and wonderful situation at left back when he had, he had three choices. Knock it back to Mignolet, put it out for a throw in or turn the ball and just hoof it forward in the hope that Benteke will hold it up. And he did neither. He did the most difficult thing that any defender can do. He tried to play out of a situation that he had no chance of playing out of. He went back onto the end line, on the ball. His, his, his touch from there on in was absolutely horrendous. Gave the ball to Lanzini. Thanks very much indeed, Mark Noble says, in the back of that. Gomez was probably a little bit unlucky, but he really should have been goal side. But he's only 18, and he learned, he learned those things. Speaking of kind of youngish players in the team, there's Coutinho as well. Just reading something last night, um, there's Michael Cox from Zonal Marking who kind of says that, you know, it's weird that Coutinho's so popular now. Obviously, he's scoring great goals and he's actually performed reasonably well, but that he sometimes flits in and out of games and, you know, maybe he's not consistent in terms of performance. I don't know what you think. And of, he, gets, he gets knocked off. That's a yeah. bugbear of mine. He, he, he must have been reading my mind. <laughs> he gets knocked off a ball so easy. It's just like a, he's like a, a schoolboy out there. He just gets brushed off it, and then he can't he can't recover. Um, and he, he he's always flitting out of games. And what's off, what's what's saving him is the fact that he scores on occasion spectacular goals, or he has spectacular shots. I.e. at Arsenal twice last last Monday night. The one that hit the crossbar and the one that Petrocek tipped on onto the upright. But apart from that. He's doing nothing. He's full of tricks. He wants to dribble and dribble and dribble and doesn't know when to release the ball. The ball, When the ball comes to him, he should know exactly where he's going to play the ball to. But he doesn't because he has to dwell on the ball when the ball should be gone and he's making a one-two and he's going and getting it again. Another one-two, going and getting it again. And he's not doing that. And that, that to me is a huge concern. And Brendan Rodgers can, can talk him up all he likes, but he hasn't proven anything to me yet. Uh, continue. Yes, he's got tons of skill. Wonderful, and, and and on occasions it's great to watch. But you know the clowns in Fawcett Circus have, have wonderful skill as well, and they're great to watch. But not not on a football pitch. Thanks very much. And but, not a, and not at Liverpool Football Club. Could you imagine that the Beatles were top of the charts in 1962? I think it was or 63, 63. I beg your pardon. Uh, when, when when West Ham last won there with with a goal from Jeff Horst and Martin Peters, two one they beat Liverpool, and they've had to wait 52, 52 years, isn't it? Uh, to go and get it to, and in that period they only scored seven goals at Anfield and then they go, go and score three on Saturday crazy stuff so Liverpool have an awful lot of work to which I suspected because some Liverpool fans might have been getting carried away with with, with, a, with, a, with a heady height of, of third or fourth position and seven points but they were very very poor against Stoke very lucky to, to get it, to get the 1-0 win extremely poor because I watched it against Bournemouth and very lucky because Bournemouth had a perfectly good goal disallowed and Liverpool, Benteke got a goal that should not have been allowed. They had a half-decent performance against Arsenal for 45 minutes in the first half. Defensively in the second half, yes, they did very well. So we'll give them that. And then back to, to Anfield, when you think, right now, lads, go and push on. Let's see what you're made of. They never showed up. Now, take nothing away from West Ham. West Ham were well-drilled. Well, well they, they had two banks of four. They knew, knew exactly what they were doing. And, and Liverpool are so predictable 
that it's not too difficult uh, to go to Anfield and pick up points, unfortunately. And that's where, that's where that could be the downfall of Rodgers. So the Beatles were number one the last time West Ham won in Anfield. Who's number one now? I give up. I don't know either, Raph. Neither do I. Okay. I only remember all that stuff from the 50s and 60s, I think. Let's talk about about Ireland playing against uh, Gibraltar on Friday and Georgia next Monday at the Georgia game at the Aviva, the Gibraltar game at the fairly spectacular stadium in Faro. If you've... uh, you've been to one of the kind of the holiday towns around there coming from Faro Airport no doubt it will have caught your eye um, well, he's, a, he's well travelled isn't he huh? very well travelled I'll tell you something if you bring your boots on Friday evening you just might get a game machine for Gibraltar I hope. Um, <laughs> listen Ireland um, one presumes we will beat Gibraltar then the, 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 the tougher of the two games is against Georgia but uh, one thing I know is a, that's a bugbear uh, of yours Paddy or one thing that, that I know annoys you about Ireland is you're never quite sure how we set up, and maybe the players aren't either, and maybe that's not a good thing. Yeah, and, and he, he he selects his team very very late, or he'll he'll, he'll tell Robbie Kane twenty minutes before the game, "Well, look, I'm not going to play it tonight." And I don't think that's the right way to go about things. I think the players need need a few days to go and get their head around what what job they should be doing, what position they're playing in, and which way the the system is going to work. Um, and maybe Martin O'Neill's given players too much uh, credit for having a, a, a huge amount of football intelligence. Um, when well maybe the opposite could, uh, could be the case, but they, uh, as I as I understand it, players need their roles defined for them uh, more so than, than 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 people might 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 expect. But they do need to be told exactly what they have to do, and they have to be reminded during the game. So why not let the, why not give the lads the benefit of the doubt? Let them know on Wednesday when 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 when, when who's playing, what position you're playing, what's expected of you. I know that you should know exactly what's expected of you. But the professional footballer doesn't always know. Even, even in, in my day, people had to be reminded at all times. And, and, and that's, that's the way things are. So Martin O'Neill, if he could, it, it, it would be great. There shouldn't be too much, uh, there shouldn't be any trouble uh, playing Gibraltar. I mean, if they, if, they, if they can't beat Gibraltar, well then, you know, we can kiss goodnight well, we just just good to everything. You know, <laughs> yeah. give up. And also, if we can't beat Georgia on the Monday night, you know, with all due respect to Georgia and... and uh, Ireland are playing them in, in, in the Aviva. That should that should be a, a three pointer as well. Um, forget about your your, your goal scoring difference against Georgia, but certainly against Gibraltar, you can probably hit six or seven if if you if you hit any sort of a good night. Provided that he ha- has, I think he's got to go and play Robbie Keane up front because there's nobody else is going to score goals on a consistent level, and that's the sad part about it. Shane Long won't. I know he recognises that Shane Long won't. Shane Long will hit the spectacular goal. A bit like Coutinho, where he got two wonderful goals against Villa for for West Brom there last January, twelve months. But uh, and he, he got a great goal for Southampton, uh, one or two great goals for Southampton. But it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen every week. Robbie is the fella to go and and and, and finish off the balls are in the six yard box. That look, ah, oh, it was a simple tap in. It's not a simple tap in because he had to get in there and he had to read the situation. And that's where that's that's where he's been brilliant for Ireland. Sixty what is sixty three goals. Magnificent, magnificent. But on on long, should O'Neill have been as public as he was about that? Would it not have been possibly better to maybe just keep that private? Rather I'm than sure. I'm sure. Media? I'm sure that Shane recognised that as well. Yeah. If Shane, if Shane doesn't recognise that 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 he's not a proven goal scorer, then Shane is living in dreamland. I don't think Shane is the type of lad to be living in dreamland. You know, he's 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 played minor hurling for Tip. He's from he's a Tip lad, and you know he'd be he'd be well versed in in in, in knowing how to look after himself and and. Uh, and he 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 should know every player every player should know. I know it doesn't always happen, but every player should know their weaknesses and their strong points. And and and, and 
you work on, on your weaknesses and, and, you, and you try and cover sorry you, you work on your strong points and you try and cover up your weaknesses as best you possibly can but but you know you're working you're working on everything but you're either a natural goal scorer to me or or you're not and Robbie Keane is a natural goal scorer he, he, he's totally instinctive in what he does he'll, he'll say to you I don't know how I got in there but I got in there because his instinct will take him there um, Shane Long is a different type of player that he wants to he, he wants to run in between central defenders and run in between the full backs and he thinks that by making all of those runs which is great provided he's got somebody up front to benefit from from making those runs because he, he, he'll work all day long for you and he's very honest in what he does and and, and uh, it's no. I'm not being really critical of Shane Long, but if he's not a proven goal scorer, we need proven goal scorers, and we've no we've nobody in the in the squad, as far as I'm concerned, that's that's there to go and 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 pick up the cudgel from Robbie Keane. So Robbie has to start. But what other changes would you make to the team? Um, well, you'd be happy enough. You'd be happy enough with the with the, with the back four and uh, midfield. You'd want to see an awful lot more from uh, from from McCarthy. Um, but you're probably Mickey. not going to see that all of a sudden. So how, no, like, how it, do you it, work it with that if you're marking it? Won't, it, it, won't happen. it won't happen all of a sudden, O'Shane, because the, first of all, the quality is not there. Yeah. And some days you'll, you'll pick McLean, for instance, wide on the left, and McGeady wide on the right, and the two of them will do really well. And then the next game they'll go out and won't be able to cross a ball. And that's, that's, that's got to be a huge, huge problem. Um, Wes Holan gets, again, just like Coutinho, he's... Wes Holland's great skill, great left foot, but he gets knocked off a ball so easy. He gives the way, uh, gives the ball away when the going gets tough in midfield. He's fine playing against the Gibraltars of this world when he's got all the time in the world. When you put him up against Matic, uh, as, the, uh, as Ireland did against Serbia there the uh, season before last, Matic just brushed him, uh, brushed him aside. He never got a kick at the ball. That's a huge concern for me. Now, against Gibraltar, if, if, if Wes Holland was to play on, on, on Friday night against Gibraltar, he'd have a field night. But he might not have a field night against Georgia and he certainly won't have a field night against Germany or Scotland for that matter, you know? Yeah, and I suppose the other question is the second midfielder beside James McCarthy and McCarthy's underwhelmed as well but like, who's the best option in there? Is it Whelan who I know people aren't convinced by? Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not convinced by any of the midfielders. Yeah. That's, a, that's the sad part about it. And you'd, you'd be looking at Glenn Whelan and you say, well, perhaps he's the best of a bad lot. <laughs> you know, and that's, and, and, and that's sad. That that you have to go and think like that, but that that just appears to be the case. And yes, Glenn, Glenn Whelan again is very very honest in everything that he does. Will, ne- will never share any responsibility, and 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 that's that's a that's a commodity that 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 is brilliant. And and Irish players are, have always been like that, and they're they're very honest in everything they do. But honesty will only get you so far. We don't have somebody with the cunning and the guile to go and open up defences. How often do you see James McCarthy play a through ball? To, to Robbie Keane or to any of his midfield uh, partners making a run through we don't see it and it's the same for Wes Holland we don't see the final ball All we see square and back square and back and we might get a little dink of, of five yards into play a 1-2 on the edge of the box but often uh, it's very rarely that it happens and that's that's a huge concern for all of Wes Holland's uh, graft 40-50 yards from goal he's no, he's no threat he's no threat to, to, to the opposition and Ireland are no threat to the opposition. You've got to be in that 18-yard box, getting your one-twos going in the 18-yard box and have an end product. And that is, have a shot at goal. And if possible, stick the ball in the back of the... But certainly get your shots at goal. And if you, if you don't have that, and, and, we're, and we're, 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 we're caught like that because McCarthy won't get forward. You know? And he wants to go square and back and square and back. 
He, his first look, if, if you watch him at all closely, his first look is never the most progressive ball. And the most progressive ball is to hit the front man. That's the ball you're taught all the time, from, from the back uh, to the front. If that's not on, then you stick it into midfield. If that's not on, as a last resort, you've got to go around the back. And, and you're playing for time then because you want the opposition to be moved. And have we got the players with the patience and the guile to go and do that against Gibraltar? It won't be a problem, but you'd worry, you'd worry in future games. Yeah. OK, Braff Diallo and Paddy Mulligan, thanks for joining us on The Rewind. Pleasure indeed, Rasheen. Thanks, Mill. This is The Rewind on News Talk. I'm Oisín Langan. Still to come, rugby. But first, next Sunday's All-Ireland hurling final between Galway and Kilkenny. We'll get the view of the press pack shortly and we'll hear from Kilkenny wing-back Killian Buckley. First, though, it's to the West and captain David Collins on the challenge of getting himself back in the team, dealing with the pressure and his experience of finals. First, though, let's remind ourselves of Galway's greatest All-Ireland hurling final moment at headquarters. This comes from 1980 and it's the one and only Joe Connolly. People of Galway, we love you! People of Galway, we love you! He heard us somewhere before. David Collins, when you take um, replays into consideration, All-Ireland final number four for you. (laughs) You don't want a replay. Immediately you jump to that point. We'll get to that. But how has your approach changed? How have you changed as a hurler since your first All-Ireland in 2005? A year you were Young Player of the Year. Yeah, it's a... It's a strange place I find myself in, you know what I mean? Trying to get back on the team for the All Ireland final and it's been a roller coaster year, you know what I mean, where we've had massive downs but leading to great ups, you know what I mean? So look we're we're looking forward to it. Um I think the difference this year is is the intensity and the aggression that the whole panel is bringing to it and the depth and squad that we have at the moment is fantastic, you know. So look at it's absolutely buzzing a training, lads are mad for it. Um and I think, you know, the loss of the under-21s the last day will spur it on that bit more because they're not going to lose again, you know what I mean? So I think we have a fantastic chance and ready for it, you know. It is the making of a great final, but you mentioned something there that not being part of the team has made the year kind of strange. So how has that played out? I mean, have you been angry? Have you been made more determined? How, how does it affect I think, you? I think more determined because I'm a, I'm a freak for, for perfectionism, you know what I mean, and wanting to protect my game. And yeah, personally, it's a bit of a disappointment that you haven't been playing, but I look at it like that, right, what can I do now to bring that panel on, bring that, to bring the subs on, to be driving, driven, to drive the rest of that panel forward? Like, if you have the strength and depth in the squad, then your players on the team that are starting the team are going to be sitting over, looking over the shoulder, going, right, OK, Collins is hot my heels, I need to pick it up a bit further and further and further. And look, it's got a positive effect. You have to bring the positiveness to it. So, like, it's driving everybody on. The subs are there, and we have the panel now that you can you can go on and contest in All-Ireland final. Like, you look at the squad that dipped for the last couple of games, it's been unreal. Like, Shaman only comes on. You've got five subs there that are ready to come on at the drop of a hat, 50 minutes in there and change the game, you know? I remember speaking to Dan Shanahan towards the end of his career and I said, are you now kind of preparing to come on as a sub? And he said, no, I'm a 70-minute man. Typical, likeable Dan confidence. And of course, he went on to score a winning goal in a Munster final. You got a couple of runs off the bench the last day, came on as a, a sub through injury. Is that different preparation-wise for you when you know you're probably going to be playing that role or do you still prepare to start a game or do you have to prepare to be a sub? Is it a different kind of mindset you have to get into? It's funny because when you say that, like, the... 
I prepared that morning as I was starting because I knew that at the drop of a hat I could be in there with an injury, you know what I mean? And I think that's the way I have to prepare. Otherwise, I would be zoned out, right? And within a minute and a half, I was on the field because Hart got a, a blood sub. If I wasn't fit, mentally prepared for that, I would have been out of the zone, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I prepare like I'm playing and I have to, you know, because if you go into the attitude with the dressing room of, yeah, I'm not starting, we'll bring a kind of lackadaisical approach to it, it feeds off other people or other people feed off it I should say and that brings a negative approach to the dressing room so you can't let that happen you have to prepare like right this is it we're all part of the one squad so yeah it's if you ask me like would I last 70 minutes I'd last 90 minutes I, I would consider myself as one of the fitter guys on that team and I'm always willing to, 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 to go the extra mile you know You've been with Galway a long time and there has been times in the past where you've come up with a brilliant performance next day haven't followed it up now that hasn't really been a problem this year I mean you've had two good performances in a row mm. I would argue three Leinster final wasn't too bad either how do you make sure the intensity is the same I mean is it hard to match the intensity of what you put out there last day because that's human nature isn't I think it? we had five you go back Leash, Dublin yeah okay fair enough yeah. <laughs> no I think if you, yeah. if you look back right, we've been questioned right? we've been questioned consistency Yeah. and we stood back stood back after the Waterford game in the, in, in the league and said right okay where are we going wrong here what do we need to do and this is what we needed to do we needed to be consistent but finish out games in the last 15 minutes where we haven't been finishing out games and we've beat every team in the last 15 minutes now since we started that so I think again if you look at the squad that's there they're bringing on subs that are able to finish games the lads that are, that are putting the shoulders of the wheel for this full 70 minutes but it's more around the attitude that players are bringing to it and the intensity they're bringing to tackles. Like, if you look at the likes of the last day when Johnny Glynn turned over, Maher coming out with the ball, and Colm, or what's it called, um, Mannion picked it up, put it over the bar, yeah. it was game over in my eyes at that stage because our attitude was correct. Right, Our attitude was there that we wanted to win that game. And As I said to the boys over the last couple of days, this is the attitude we need to bring again and again and again, and it has to be in training. If it's not in training, it's not going to be in the game. You know. So. And are you noticing this year, in training, it's consistent, whereas... In previous years, it mightn't have been consistent. It's totally intense, like it's, and, and it has to be. Yeah, it has to be, right? You might play 20, 20 minutes, forty minutes of a game, but that's at the the peak of it. You have to be as intense as you are going to be in that game, and you have to be judging yourself on marking the likes of TJ Reid or marking the likes of Richie Hogan all the time, you know, because these boys are at the top of their game, like they are the cream of the crop and have been for the last couple of years. So it's going to be for us to have that attitude, right, to go and take them down that day. But I believe we can. I'm. I wouldn't be here if I didn't, you know. You mentioned marking players. A lot of your game, and you could compare it to Waterford as well, is about kind of blocking off space and, mm. and closing off space. Does that make it difficult to decide how to actually mark a player? Because if, you're, if you have it in your head, right, we have to close down space and we have to sit deep, sometimes actually marking players and doing the fundamentals and the basics can get a bit lost in that. Yeah, you can, and... Like I would always say to the players, and uh, from my own perspective, is you play what's in front of you, really. You know what I mean? You can go through with all the tactics that you want, and you can go there and say, right, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stem Callan the last day. You couldn't stem him. You know what I mean? Our, our aim was to stop him, but you, you couldn't stop him because the ball that was coming in was fantastic to him. Parikman and I thought had a had a had a game, a good game. And these things happen. But yes, there definitely has to be targeted people that you have to obviously key in and zone in on, on their abilities, their strengths and their weaknesses and exploit their weaknesses, you know, and that's what you need to do. So we're going to assess that, in the, I suppose, from the Leinster final, from the All-Ireland final that Tip beat them in. And you know what I mean? And I work on the areas that definitely are there to, to exploit, you know. What is it with Ian Kilkenny? The games are always good. It's class. <laughs> There's... Uh, you love playing Kilkenny, like, and uh, I think they're the right, same again. Right back to 2005, yeah, like. it's fantastic, you know what I mean? But it's a hurling game. It's a straight-up hurling game. 
shackles off and go for it, you know what I mean? And like, there's no there's no malice in any tackle. There's no malice in any hit. There has never been in in, in games with us. And like, you look forward to them all the time. But again, it's 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 playing the best team. Like, again, you have been the best team without a shadow of a doubt in the country for the last 10, 12 years. So, like, you just look forward to it because if you're not looking forward to playing the best teams, then what are we there for? You're going to think I'm paid by use of the word consistency because <laughs> I'm going to say consistency again. Against Kilkenny in the last couple of years, you've been consistently good now by and large. They've won, yeah. but 2012 beat, beat them in the Leinster final, bring them to a replay in the All-Ireland. Last year, which overall was probably a bad year, brought them to a replay in Leinster, mm-hmm. beaten in a tight enough game. This year, Leinster final, bit of a fade from you guys at the end but need injuries going into it etc again not a bad performance what do you have to do to beat them and and how has that rivalry changed because you've met so often in the last couple of years whereas before that the meetings were good but they were kind of spaced out we need to rectify the mistakes that we made against against them in the Leinster final um because if you look back in terms of our our hits and our tackles and our drop balls uh you know that wasn't good enough, and that wasn't going to win us a Leinster title or a title. So, in 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 the long run, or in hindsight, maybe it's a good thing that we lost to them, and that we can actually try and exploit that and and bring it to our the attention of who needs to be brought to in terms of what guy needs to be targeted, where they're winning big balls, where they're winning the massive possessions, and like they dropped a guy back, they dropped massive guy like Richie Hogan had to go out to actually centre field and into nearly half Walter Walsh has been field and inside at centre back at some stage is clearing ball so we have to be well aware of what's going on in that instance and that's I think where they they killed us you know what I mean but that again middle third intensity we have to up that and like we did that in 2012 uh, was massive intensity in the middle third and that's what won that game you know especially Leinster final I watched that game at work today the Leinster final from this year when I, when I should have been doing actual work and there was a. There, I won't like, tell you what I was doing. <laughs> hey, we'll, we'll turn the mic off. You can tell me that. Um, there was a few incidents of drop balls and heavy touches. Where did that yeah. come from? And, and is that something you kind of looked at after that game and said, right, we need to get that sharp? I think that was nervous, to be honest with you. Um, like, players and others in this final, and th- they had all the work done, right? If you look at, as you said, drop balls, misplaced passes, catching balls, dropping balls, that kind of stuff. Our guys are way better than that. Like, we're way better than that. We didn't do it in the tip game, we didn't do it in the car game because we were composed and we were actually relaxed, enjoyed our hurling and then going free flow, you know what I mean? So I think that that's what we need to bring to this game. We need to be relaxed going into it and actually just hurl from in front and play what's in front of you, as I always said. It's, that's what you need to do, you know? Does the pressure go bigger as the years go on, the longer you have to wait for an All-Ireland? I'm sure, look, you don't mind or you don't need me to tell you 88 was the last one. I'm laughing because, Galway, what a four All-Irelands, right? Or I think in the, in, in the history of it... Um, yeah. We're expected, if you put it in inverted commas, to be there all the time. Where is that pressure coming from? Is it coming from supporters or the media or what is it? It's pressures that the players are kind of going, right, yeah, fair enough, but we want to win it. Like, we want to be there. Um, we're putting the pressure on ourselves because we have years go so fast. Well, have 12 years there, 13 years there, and you haven't won anything, you know what I mean? But, yeah, you've got your personal accolades, but this is a team event. Like, as I said a while ago, the team is more than me. Like whether I'm on it or not, we've got 25 lads, 30 lads that are willing to put the shoulders to the wheel, and that's what you need. But yeah, we need to, we need this win. We have to get this win because you don't, exp- you might not be there next year. I might not be there next year. Joe Canning might get injured, or somebody might get injured, and that's the end of their career. So yeah, you win it when you get a chance, and please God, you know this will be the year. Obviously, you're trying to play your way back into the team. So in the A versus B games, 
No. Are you going around hatcheting lads? Or like, does Anthony say, Jesus, go hard, but don't injure lads? I can't get up to the other half back line yet, like, but I, I'm sure before the end of the week I'll get a shot at a, shot at a few of them, you know what I mean? And look, at there's great, but they're there to save their place too, right? And if I don't put the pressure on them, then it's going to be easy. And if you're taking it easy on them boys, the likes of Richie Hogan, these boys aren't going to take it easy on us. Do you know what I mean? Richie Power's going to come in their own lark and these lads, like, that's... You need to be replicating what the match situation is and if the hotter it is and the heavier it is, the better. Anthony, after two, I suppose, bad seasons in a row, there was some talk that maybe he could have lost a gig. He had to actually reapply and he went and he got it and he has proved he was the right man. What, what was the difference this year and why do you think Anthony Cunningham has been a good fit for this job? Because it's something Noel Lane has talked about, that Galway had too much of a turnover of managers in the past. Yeah, everyone, look at the common denominator, like the, the players are always there, right? So the key change this year is the players' attitudes. And that's been led by management, right? And you're either, you're either in it or you're not in it. And for many years, there's been teams there that have just been happy to go along with it. I'm not saying all guys, there's been 90% of lads that have been driven all the time. But there's a lot of guys willing to be sit there happy for a Galway jersey. That's not the case anymore. And it's being player-driven. If the players aren't seeing it from the other players, then it's been talked about, it's been told, and you're being told by players. Your peers, not by guys above you or, or that are 20 or 30 years older than you. I'm there for one reason only and one reason only, and that's if he's not there, then out you go, you know what I mean? So that's the massive change, and that has to be driven from players. And is it something that Anthony actually said to the squad, and is it something that you as a senior player kind of took on board and, and turned and said to younger it's players? It's more the senior players, and we would bring it to the attention of the management, and with the help of the management, we've enforced that rule, and it's, it's, it's been there. There's, like, you have to want it. Right, and if you don't want it enough, and if the guy beside you doesn't want it enough, then you're not going anywhere. So I think we have got 32 players there that are willing to put the shoulder to the wheel, and that's why we are where we are, you know. And like I couldn't be more prouder of the team that I'm involved in right now. The young guys are fantastic; their attitudes are brilliant, and it would be a real injustice if we didn't go and show our front, like put out everything we have on Sunday week, and that's what we need to do. Like we have what it takes. I believe that firmly, and I, I'm fully behind this team. You know, and it's going to be someday in Crow Park. Yeah, it should be a great game. One last question before I let you go: um, Is it like Kerry? Are, are the hardest critics and the harshest critics your own? And in some ways, does that make it easier or more difficult? How, how does it affect? Them? I think the harshest critics are the players themselves, and this year they have been. We have been demanding more from each other. I think the, the supporters really expect that we should be in an All Ireland final, as I said a minute ago. And that's fair enough too. Like they, they think we have the, what it takes and they believe we have what it takes. So that's a good compliment. And I would take it as a positive. I wouldn't be looking at it as, right, okay, that's putting pressure on us. Screw that, you know what I mean? I get to turn the negative into a positive. And look, at to support the last thing, Crow Park was fantastic. And I would ask anybody that's going to the match the next day is just to shout and roar and, and be there for the team and support it, you know what I mean? Because there's 15 guys going to go out there, there's five more going to be involved and they're putting everything on the line, you know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's a dream for those guys, you know? David, always a pleasure. Best of luck. Thank you very much. The referee blows the full-time whistle and Kilkenny march on to the All-Ireland Final. They've beaten Waterford 121 to 18 points. But for Kilkenny, it's joy once again. It's Tipperary or Galway in the All-Ireland Final for the Cats. Killian Buckley, it seems like you've gone from kind of one of the younger members of this panel to, to a very experienced old head ahead of an All-Ireland Final. How different are you feeling now compared to your first one? 
Uh, look, I suppose uh, I'd like to feel I'm a bit more experienced uh, in the position all right, but uh, nothing beats our first All-Ireland at the same time, but still really looking forward to uh, Sunday week, um, another All-Ireland to look forward to. That's why we start off um, uh, at the beginning of the year. This is the, this is the Sunday we look forward to. So, look, um, I'd like to think I do have that uh, added experience, but, look, there's plenty of players out there with it, so uh, what it'll count for on the day, I don't know, but, uh, look, all guns ahead. Unlike most guys who come into the Kilkenny panel, you didn't have to wait that long by, com- you know, by comparison to others for game time. Why do you think that was? What was it about you that kind of, that kind of stood out? Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I don't think I have the answer for you there. Um, uh, in a way, it was maybe through the misfortune of others. There might have been a few injuries that year. Um, Michael Rice and Michael Finley, I know, struggled with injuries in 2012. and in, uh, I suppose that was the position I was coming into in midfield. So I did get, get that run of, run of games at the end of the league and the beginning of the Leinster Championship. Um, it was great to get that game time. I suppose I missed out later on in the year, but managed to get in for that uh, 2012 All-Ireland. Uh, look, you hope these games stand here and uh, uh, thank God that, that year went well and you'd hope that uh, you have the, something to show at the end of 2015 as well. And what's the difference between preparing and playing in an All-Ireland as compared to any other game? Because I, I spoke to Michael Dempsey about it and he said it, it's, the intensity is different, that the the physicality is different just you know the preparation you can try everything you want in in that but it's just different and there are certain things you, you can't prepare guys for yeah it's it's definitely true there's 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 a certain amount of preparation a huge amount of preparation that goes into uh, training for an all-earned over the last five weeks but there's so many things you just can't predict that can happen the day of an all-earned and uh, complications come with it between the, the size of the size and noise of the crowd in, in Crow Park on its day brings uh, a certain uh, um, level of um, confusion early among players that, that communication alone um, becomes more difficult but look uh, all as you say it takes on a life of its own it's about adapting on the day and uh, thinking on your feet and uh, look it's a 70 minute match you don't have too long to do that and you definitely don't want to let these kind of days go past so uh, look it's, it's quick thinking and uh, getting to the grips of things as quick as possible and uh, hopefully setting them down Talking to players over the years regards playing in finals and massive games, they say one of the big deals, one of the big issues is something you've already mentioned, communication. But you've worked together so much and I suppose you know you train so tightly and, and prepare so much as a team. Maybe communication isn't kind of done by talking you kind of know what each other is going to do is that the case on a, on a big day like this you'd hope it's a part of it as well there's 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 the two sides of it uh, you definitely feed off each other's game and i think every team in the county has the ability to do that uh, maybe the whole verbal side of it uh, as you say it does go out the window a bit in in, in crow park when uh when there's eighty thousand people roaring at you but uh Look, um, you, you have to judge it yourself between position and ways and uh, just reading the ball alone, it does come into it. Um, but look, it's not to be all and end all. You go out and play your own game and uh, attack your own ball and uh, the bit of communication uh, along with that and you, you shouldn't be too far off. came in as a midfielder, but you, you've now made wing-back your own. What do you like about that position? In a way, I, I see... Um, I, kind of said this um, on other occasions I think uh, the middle third of the field has become a real battle zone um, it, it, it's nearly it's nearly more defensive midfielder I feel like I, I'm playing and uh, I'm in no way I feel restricted as, as, as much as halfbacks might have been in, in years gone by so look it's something I, I really enjoy I enjoy the, uh, both the attacking and defensive side of it and uh, look I, I've managed to settle into it over the last two years it's not to say uh, I, I'm a halfback forevermore that's the kind of very nature of it but but uh, look, enjoying it for the moment and look, one more, one, one more big game and uh, Kenny are there. So you just hope that uh, uh, we're ready for the challenge that Galway will bring.
obviously as wingbacks yourself and Patrick Walsh you probably see an awful lot more ball than an awful lot of guys on the team but the way hurling has gone you're trying to land it in very crowded areas it was the case against Waterford it was the case against Galway in the past and it's probably going to be the case against Galway again how do you handle that what uh, what do you kind of have in your head when you get that ball in hand yeah look it's definitely a huge challenge of um, every back in a, a, a on the field it's uh, it's as important as a score really these days it's about keeping possession and uh, as as you say the, the, the both um, both defensive side of the fields are being crowded out so it's uh, it's about picking out uh, the player keeping the possession giving your your uh, attacking player the best chance he can of, of getting the ball and uh, Look, uh, going back to your your, your thing on Aller and Final Day, sometimes this goes out the window and sometimes you just don't have that time, especially on Aller and Final Day. So look, uh, you're hoping that your forwards can dig out too and uh, sometimes the perfect ball just isn't on. And uh, Look, uh, you hope that um, when this happens, uh, that we have the forwards that will be able to deal with uh, the, the, the determination that these Galway backs will no, no doubt bring. But look... Um, to the best of our ability we do try to pick out the boys but it's not that easy either Is it tough to decide on the pitch exactly how you're going to close down the space and who you're going to mark because the way again Galway play and the way Waterford played we'll say in the semi-final was that sometimes you might have been standing on your own you mightn't have had anyone, had anyone near you because they were all you know, on the other side of the pitch in, in, in their defensive area but then they kind of come up with numbers so how do you decide who to mark and where to go in that case? I think it's just uh, trying to think quick in your feet. There's 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 definitely no time for for, for any any level of hesitation there. Um, you just have to, to pick a man and go with him. And uh, I think so far this year, the the click any six backs have managed to do that uh, fairly well. Uh, I suppose we played against uh, two completely different dif- different systems so far this year in in Galway and Leinster final, and then uh, as you say, uh, an attack more coming in waves in, in that water attack and it might have took us to the second half nearly to get the grips with that uh, water system but now we have, we're have we facing a new Galway team with a new layout and uh, they'll bring a different challenge no, no doubt they'll try to bring something new so uh, going back to it again it's just all about thinking on your feet and, uh, and getting to the grips of things as quick as possible And just before I let you go as a defender have you had to change maybe your tackling style in the last couple of years like a tackle a couple of years ago that would have been seen as a good fair hard challenge is that now a foul and do you have to keep that in mind is, is it something that's kind of in your head? No, to be honest, no, it's not something I think about too much. Um, we're, when we're, we're kind of told when the other team has the ball, we're playing as 15 defenders, so uh, that would have been the way I thought even when I was a forward. And uh, For me, it hasn't changed. Uh, maybe I announced myself uh, as, I, as I went uh, um, back to the, to, to the defending end of the field, tackling obviously those. Do you think even, like, OK, I better keep my hurley low because if I go on anyway high, that's a free? Oh, it doesn't come into it to be honest I, I, you barely have time to think of these things on the field and no doubt there, there is the odd high hurley that goes in but uh, it, it's through no intention and um, look just try uh, you try and change your style be at your own peril you just go out and play just one last one from me do you enjoy this time before the All-Ireland is this in some ways the best time or is it in some ways the worst time which is it it's, a, it's definitely a mixture of both it's, it's, uh, it's the longest two weeks you'll ever put in and uh, coming into next week you're, you're definitely counting down the days and they're, they're, for me they're the slowest days I'll ever put in you enjoy the nice training you enjoy getting in around each other these weeks um, you try and stay away from, from from the hype as much as possible it's a great two weeks for Kilkenny and the fans and that's definitely part of all earning day but at the end of the day you have to remember you're the one going up to play the match and um, once next week comes it'll be all uh, on wins towards that match and uh, the excitement of it all will be, will be left to the fans and hopefully we can get the job done today and We'll enjoy it then. Killian, it's been a real pleasure talking. Best of luck.
This is the Rewind on News Talk. We'll stick with the All-Ireland now and get the view of the press pack. I was at Crow Park over the weekend and passed the microphone around the various talking heads. I'm John Fogley, Irish Examiner, GA Correspondent. Um, I think Kilkenny are going to do it uh, next weekend for a couple of reasons. I, I can see Galway winning, there's no doubt about that, but... Um, uh, Kilkenny certainly have concerns about their bench they haven't used it and there's a reason why they're not using their bench because the quality isn't there as much as Richie Powers supposed to be on it for, for the weekend um, I think I think Galway have made some very poor tactical um, judgments this year and they've been lucky with two of them, we saw with uh, Mannion on uh, Callan on last day and we saw with Shooting and, Co- and Cohen in the first day uh, the first uh, Dublin game. I think uh, it's going to come down to the two full back lines, and I would have a little bit more faith in the Kilkenny uh, full back line than, than the Galway one. And you know, if, if you would imagine TJ Reid and Richie Hogan are at the forefront of uh, Anthony Cunningham's thoughts, but um, it's easier instead than known to mark them. I think it's going to be a Kilkenny victory, but uh, not, not convincing in any shape or form. Pat Nolan, Irish Daily Mirror. Uh, I expect Kilkenny to win. Um, well, I don't think they're as strong as they have been. Uh, particularly when they won the four in a row I, I still think they're uh, obviously very formidable not as strong on the bench as they were um, but uh, and while I'd give Galway an excellent chance um, and their work rate was very admirable against Tipperary I don't think that gives them a head start in any way shape or form against Kilkenny uh, it only gives them something of a level playing field and thereafter I think Kilkenny are that bit more compact at the back and are less likely to be cut open the way Galway were in the semi-final and while I don't expect Galway to be as um, as loose in the full back line uh, I still think Kenny can make enough hay to uh, to get the job done Shane McGrath Irish Daily Mail uh, Kilkenny are my tip for the final as well uh, I think Brian Cody is trying to prove that the talk of a 20 man game is, uh, is a bit premature he's going to he's going to win in All-Ireland with playing a 15 at best maybe a 16 man game uh, I think there would have been hell to play in Galway had they lost the semi-final against Tipperary, given the bother they had with James Callanan and the lax, the kind of lassitude in, in terms of addressing it uh, from the sideline. Had they lost that match, I could imagine Anthony Cunningham would have, you know, would have taken huge criticism. So you would have tactical concerns about uh, about Galway. You'd have worries about their full back line. Were you a Galway supporter? And I think Kenny will exploit that and win again on Sunday. Philip Lanigan, uh, Irish Mail on Sunday. Uh, the the All Ireland hurling final. I think Kilkenny hold all the aces still, um, despite the supposed transition that Brian Cody referred to with all the big names retiring over the winter. They've proven that they're rolling on seamlessly from last year, and I think the holders are the team to beat. They don't have the bench that they did, but people would say that Galway don't have a great depth of squad either. Well, if you look back to the championship previews, you'll find that Tipperary were tipped across the board on the basis that they had the strongest squad in the country. Now, it didn't boil down to that. Kilkenny have shown with the starting 15 they have is the best starting 15 in the country. Whether they'll need to dip into their bench again, um, Owen Larkin, the second oldest player, I think, of the Kilkenny team was banging over points in the 70th minute in the Leinster final, so they kind of defy convention in that way. Galway kind of play a similar style to 2012, but they have evolved and they seem to have more scoring forwards. They do. It's no longer the Joe show, as everybody said, and when that was put to Johnny Glynn, we all know what happened next. So, <laughs> it's, But it's true. Like Galway will never win an All-Ireland title until Joe Cannon gets the proper support. and He's hit more wides than most players this summer, but it's still 
playing as a link man in a team and you can see the maturity the last time with the last ball in um, for the winning score playing Shane Maloney so again that's the maturity rather than going for the Hail Mary shot that Galway now have a front six rather than just one player and the rest playing support act So it's Kilkenny for you? It's Kilkenny for me yeah, Jason Byrne with Davis' son. Uh, all Ireland hurling final. I think Galway will do it this year. I think they've finally got that extra bit of character and resilience that they maybe lacked three years ago when they played Kilkenny. Um, they would have learned a lot from that Leinster final as well. And uh, I think Liam will be heading west to the Shannon for the first time since '88. Are you being influenced on this because you lived in Galway for quite some time? I have a, I have a Galway lady at home, so I understand if that's the case. Perhaps, Ocean, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm from Donegal, which is an Ireland stronghold, as you know, but... Uh, I have been the hurling team but I, aside from all my obvious bias I really do think they are going to do it this year um, just with the young players they have the excitement they have in the forward lane and the experience that's through the team as well um, I, just, I definitely think they can do it this time and Anthony Cunningham seems to be uh, going hell for leather and it's, 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 it's now or never for him not for the players but it's now or never for him because I think this will be his last year in charge so um, I just think they'll have too much. The squad depth as well, um, when you look at Kilkenny's bench compared to other years, um, I think Galway have that depth now that they didn't have in previous times, and Kilkenny don't have it as much as they used to either. And jokes aside, because of your strong Galway connection, you'll know that how much this means to them, first of all. And second of all, how much the county will get behind them and how much extra that will give this team. I mean, it was the same in 2012. They, they probably should have beaten Kilkenny, even though they were an inferior squad at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, like... The Gaw- all the Galway players know that 2012 was the one that got away um, the hype in the county seems to be massive at the minute I'm getting plenty of phone calls from the west of people looking for tickets um, but uh, yeah like the supporters will get behind them big time it's great great for the county that they have the minors in, in the final as well against Hip so that should be a great game too and the minors have actually shown a lot of resilience similar to the, the senior team like the minors looked dead and buried a few times in both their semi-finals against Kilkenny and they kept coming back and, and never gave up and got their just rewards by getting to the final is this a Galway renaissance or a, just a bit of a fluke that the two of them have got to the final? I'd say it's a bit of a renaissance again. Um, like the conveyor belt at minor level in particular never really seems to stop. Like Matty Murphy put in serious uh, foundations with all the work he done through the years and Jerry Lin- or Jeffrey Linsky looks to be uh, bringing that on even more and he, he seems like a very astute man and uh, that really knows what he's doing as well so um, I think I think the, particularly at underage level the talent's always been there but the biggest problem has been transferring that on to senior level because um, as you know yourself when fellas go to college and everything else um, a lot of players can, can drift off the scene but um, thankfully that doesn't seem to be happening in Galway at the minute but the senior players we see arriving at the minute and we've just seen a man who'll be playing next Sunday in the minor game Alan Tynan put a point over for the tip minor footballers he's a dual star Jason thank you no problem Oshin uh, I'm Shane Stapleton a GA reporter with the Irish Daily Star I think it's very hard to back against Kilkenny just the utter dependency of, of how they perform with Galway we know they're capable of big days but with Kilkenny we know they always stand up on the day so it's hard to go against them for, for that reason This is the Rewind on News Talk and that was the collective view from the GAA Press ahead of Sunday's All-Ireland Senior Final between Kilkenny and Galway. It has the potential to be a cracker. Off the ball will be live from Crow Park across the day. Owen Kelly among our team of analysts. We're also coming to you from the Kilmacud Croaks Hurling Sevens on Saturday. We'll have a series of panel discussions with some of the biggest names in the sport. Well, the minor final is the curtain raiser next week. And ahead of that, I've been speaking to Galway boss Jeffrey Linsky about getting his team ready despite the lack of a provincial championship. They're coming up against a very sharp-looking Tipperary side. Well, you're getting ready for an All-Ireland 
minor final. Talk to me about your season so far because Galway kind of have it tough. You're pitched straight in in the quarter final stage. And this year you were pitched straight in against Limerick, who are a very good young side like yourselves. Um, look, it's something that we kind of didn't know really about the fixture until probably two weeks beforehand. So we had no idea who we were going to play in. So, but that, I suppose, regarding preparation work for the last couple of weeks before it, um, a lot of lads were playing senior championship matches in Galway uh, and minor and the whole lot. So there was no re- kind of real issue that they weren't, say, up to speed regarding the kind of game stuff of it. But um, it is a huge hindrance to us not playing more competitive games. Now, this year, I suppose, is a once-off because it's our fourth game on Sunday. Um, but we're lucky enough regarding Galway hurling the big amount of games the lads actually do play. But the issue that we do have is, is the games at a, at a higher level. And the lads need that. We saw it maybe affect the under-21s last week. They just weren't up to the pitch of it against Limerick. And you could see, had they played together, maybe they would have been. How important is it for Galway that they get more competitive underage games, be that a move to Leinster, which I know was shot down last year, or some other means mm, that's hugely important you know in order for our lads to develop uh, as herders moving forward after minor they need a competitive structure um, like that group that, that lost the last they won minor three years ago yeah. so they've only got one game over the last three years some of them so that's three competitive games that they won like that's not conducive to development of, of herders um, so look they're, they're taking a look at our county board and the HTC and, and the CCC over the next couple of weeks and, and hopefully they come up with some plan yeah. now talk to me about the two games against Kilkenny a replay and then the win in Crow Park the next day and a fairly dramatic one as well actually both games were pretty dramatic you don't like to do things easy do you? Uh, no look when you're playing at Kilkenny any day it's, 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 it's a huge test it's a huge battle um, but all the competitive games even both football and hurling at present uh, they do go down to the wire because all the teams are well prepared um, Kilkenny are the yardstick for all of us uh, let's be honest about it um, for us at minor level over the last 20 years, I think we've reached 11 finals, they've reached 12, we've won 6 and they've won 5. So we're kind of both of us are kind of at loggerheads for the last 20 years. Look, they were hugely uh, enjoyable games to be involved in. Now, look, if I was talking to you today after coming out the wrong side of it uh, two weeks ago, I'd probably have a different opinion. But look, as I said before, we got probably got the rubber agreement with that decision. Yeah. Um, it swings and roundabouts, the previous game to that. I suppose the two decisions at the end of the first game, you could question, um, and the free count then was 1911 in favour of So look, that, that tends to happen sometimes. What's your uh, injury list like? Do you, have, do you have many problems or issues ahead of this game? And look, Jack is still recovering from glandular fever, Jack Grealish, so we won't know on him really to him under our choose of next week regarding his energy levels. Um, we have a few coming back from injury. Killian McDade, the footballer, um, played his first game last week. So he'll come into the record regarding the 24. Um, and after tomorrow night, really, you're kind of winding down then in, in preparation for the final on Sunday week. Is it a good thing for these young lads that the seniors have reached their final? And, of course, the Camogie players um, have reached their final. That's, I suppose, pending other issues, Wexford objecting, etc. Does it take the focus off them? Does it take the attention from the wider world off them? Or does it make any difference? Because whether the seniors or anyone else were in a final, these lads are in a final, so all they care about in, in, in the best way possible is their own final. That's what they're looking at. Um, look, I was conscious of the fact that the last in Crow Park that if we'd won, it would probably got the, the crowd going. Um, there was a good goal crowd at it. Um, and I look, talking from the lads that are involved, the seniors, answering the boys, it did give them a, a good push. You know, going into it, the minors were there, and now look, they want to get there also. In regards to preparation, no, you're kind of solely focused on, on, on your own team. Um, and that's what you're, you care about at the end of the day. Look, when the game is over, obviously the focus then uh, turns to the, to, to the bigger game. Yeah. Tip the opponents in the final. Near neighbours, but do you know them that well? 
Uh, we played, well, like we played them in last February. We brought our development squad down and we tried to get a, a game going once or twice uh, in April or May, but it just didn't happen due to kind of crossover fixtures for them and for us. Um, I would have watched them twice so far this year. So I saw them in the Munster final and semi final. And uh, look, I'm sure Lincoln Cahill has looked those a few times as well. What do you like? Well, I'm not going to say what do you like about them. What, what do you think are their biggest strengths? And I would ask about weaknesses, but no manager is going to give the opposition any kind of ammunition before the uh, before the final. And look, I've seen them a couple of times myself, so I know that if you were trying to pick weaknesses, you'd be a long time looking. Mm. And look, they've good uh, six backs. You know what I mean? They're all strong, composed in the ball. Uh, two midfielders are very strong in the air. Half forward line are mobile, and the full forward line have huge threat inside. Uh, they're technically competent, as most tip hurlers are. Um, they brought a huge amount of work rate into all the games that they played. And uh, look, we're looking forward to the challenges that we face Sunday week. And the fact that you've had two games in Crow Park and you, you've performed well there, uh, how big a, a boost is that going into the, this game? Or, or is that a relevance? Is it relevant to this match? Uh, look, no doubt the first game in particular, um, I was conscious of the fact it was a lot of the lads are first out, out in Crow Park. Um, and they learned an awful lot from it and would have brought them on hugely because it's not such a big occasion then uh, for them, you know, the second day. So, look, they, they, they're used to this is the surroundings and the, the match day kind of schedule and everything else. So, preparation-wise, nothing really is going to change uh, for the schedule of the day. So, that's good. So, they're, they're well aware and of, of what's coming. Because they provide such entertainment, I think sometimes we as fans forget these are kids. Like they're children, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. The amount of pressure that, that is on them and how they handle it, it, it's unbelievable because I can tell you at 17, 18, I wouldn't have been able to do it. But do you kind of have to keep that in mind that it, it, it makes it even harder to predict how your guys are going to react? It makes it harder to predict how your team are going to play, the fact that they are kids and that, that can lead to inconsistency through no fault of their own. And look, we start, our stall or my remit or my brief management-wise since, since I took the job is development. Yeah. Um, like in soccer terminology, they use philosophy. I use a vision. Like my vision is development and improving the players, you know, technically and tactically, physically and mentally. Um, look, hopefully some of the week will have a positive result. But it's not the be-all be all and end-all. For, for me, it's about developing on and off the pitch. Yeah. Like a lot of these young lads are only going to leave us for next year. Um, but sports prepares them for life, you know. They're going to get knocks on the sporting field and Look, sport prepares you for all that side of it, you know what I mean, the triumph and disaster and everything else. Um, but look, you're right, they're 17 years of age, um, and some of them are very hard on themselves when things don't go right, and they're human beings, just as referees are and everybody else. Um, so look, Sunday week, you're, they're dreaming about it since they were five or six years of age, they're playing all-earning final, that's coming to fruition for them. Um, the, the, how to handle a day is going to be very, very important. Like we, All managers have pride and focus on performance and nothing else. So you're trying to remove that kind of that side to it, um, but knowing the lads, how they've kind of played the last couple of games, there's, there's huge, I suppose, room for improvement. Like we we focus on continuous improvement in the group and marginal gains, and uh, look, there's a lot of, of areas we can improve on for the game for Sunday week. The very best of luck. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. This is the rewind, and that's Galway minor hurling manager Jeffrey Linsky. Now rugby before we go and Joe Schmidt names his final squad for the World Cup in the next couple of days Ireland losing to Wales at the weekend 16-10 uh, one of the positives though was the performance of Ian Henderson who grabbed a try in the first half uh, I've been talking to him about becoming a grittier player as he puts it uh, but first what he liked about his own performance uh, on Saturday yeah um, it was a uh frustrating in the first half our penalty count and we knew coming in uh, towards the end of the half we had to salvage something to try and claw back a wee bit at half time we managed to do that um, 
great work by the forwards and left me. We got the cover for a try just at half time. Uh, we came in, regathered at the changing rooms and uh, realised that our discipline hadn't been good enough. We needed to cut that out in the second half, which we didn't do. We ended up, uh, I think the penalty count at half time was around 8 4, ended up being 15 6 or 15 8, which just isn't good enough by our standards. We, the last two Six Nations, we've pretty much won the Six Nations and been one of the, most, one of the best disciplined teams. Um, today that we, we just weren't even against Scotland we weren't as disciplined as we should be uh, that's a massive work on for us and something we can definitely work on this week work on against England and take it into the World Cup hopefully How do you correct it because as you say it happened before so you don't want to stop it happening again uh, I think uh, it'll all come in terms of uh, conditioning and decision making reducing mental fatigue I think that'll uh, account for most of it um, following that I think uh, Obviously, there's always upsets in pre-season games, and this essentially is, is the pre-season games, the two games that most of us have played, or the two games they might play with their provinces against lesser teams in international tests against Wales and Scotland. Uh, I think a lot of the mistakes will be put to bed and hopefully uh, hopefully rectified for against England and further afield. Uh, I'm going to get back up the road this evening and move in the house, uh, so hopefully uh, <laughs> get the car loaded up tonight, get a new load of new stuff across the house. Uh, but uh, it definitely will be on my mind. Uh, I think I've, I tried to put out my best performance today to put my best foot forward. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully the coaches will select me, um, and I'm sure there'll be quite a few people um, who'll be disappointed. But they'll go back to their provinces and, and play and train very hard. I'm sure uh, amongst their, their provincial teammates, and there will be uh, will be injuries at the World Cup, and they'll end up bringing people out. That always happens. Um, so. Everyone, I think everyone will be aware that they need to keep on plugging away and then they might get their opportunity. Special day for Paul and it must have been a privilege for you to pack down beside him. Yeah, it was absolutely fantastic to play with him in his last uh, international game in home soil. Uh, it was absolutely an honour. Um, just hope he plays well and, and will be able to finish his career on absolute high at the World Cup uh, and send him out in a good note. Ian Joe, I know it's all about your carrying and your big hitting. How important is it for you to show, like today, the other, other parts of the game, maybe the nuts and bolts of lockdown? Yeah, definitely. I think I think that's something that I could definitely learn from a from a good few locks around the place. To players like Calm and Jones and, and Pauly and those sorts of players who do the nitty gritty work. Uh, that's maybe something that I need to work on in my game in terms of coming from the back row or more more of a, dan- a dynamic carrying player. Besides, uh, need, maybe need to get my head stuck in a few more dirtier places, but. Uh, definitely be reviewing my game and hopefully working on that for the rest of the season Ulster and Ireland's Ian Henderson there well that's it for the Rewind this week we're back next Monday when we'll have a review of Ireland's clash with Gibraltar and we look ahead to their meeting with Georgia the Guinness Pro 12 is back and we continue our build up to the Rugby World Cup but we will be coming to you from the winning team's hotel uh, in the aftermath of the All-Ireland hurling final that's uh, providing there is a winner. The last couple of years have uh, shown us that maybe it uh, needs two uh, games to decide the All-Ireland winners now. Anyway, you can contact us throughout the week on Monday Rewind at Newstalk.com. Don't forget, uh, off the ball with you every night this week from 7 o'clock and uh, on Saturday at uh, 1 and Sunday from 12. Until next week, take care. Bye-bye. Rewind with Oisín Langan. The ref throws a full-time whistle and for the second year in a row... Mayo draw a semi-final. An amazing ending to a game that, that sort of meandered through with lots of mistakes and lots of errors and issues. It's a draw a fair result. I, I don't know, but I, I'd say both teams will take it the way the game went. Romero, the keeper, he hasn't done he hasn't done himself justice at all in that situation. The keeper, he's got down very slowly with his left hand and he should have saved it. He really should have saved that.
There's certain things we suppose pride ourselves on or build ourselves on, and we, we didn't do a whole lot of those very well today. Obviously, discipline being one of them. Just giving teams repeated cracks at you, you know, either through mall or goal kicking or conceding 50 meters of the field through penalties is is a very tough way to play the game and a very difficult way to win games. Um, I don't think I can play a lot of rugby. You know, they've, they've been incredibly successful. Um, I thought they were really narrow at times, and uh, you know, a lot of players are quite narrow. And, and when they play that game effectively, when they you, know, you use their one-off runners effectively, and then uh, get some success from cross kicks, that's what they're good at doing, and they're good at uh, pressurising you and forcing you into turnovers and, and building a score. They've had good preparation. I believe we've good preparation as well, and whichever team gets it right, we'll win the match. 